and welcome to So Farscape. A fun-filled Farscape fancast by a fervent fan. And a frankly fascinated first-timer. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And, and this, this is, is the story of so Farscape. 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 Okay, everybody, we're 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 finally on Liars, Guns of Money, which is okay. I struggle not to give too much away about what what this show sort of evolves into, but we are at peak Farscape. This is what the whole season has been building toward. Apparently, like when, when at the at the very beginning of the season, David Kemper already had had in mind. Okay, by the end of this season, we're going to rob a bank. Okay, yeah, it's episode 219, A Not-So-Simple Plan, which is the first part of, well, at least two, but maybe three, and who knows, might even be four. It's like, apparently, last uh, season we saw a very long, drawn-out season ending, and I'm not sure how many episodes in this season. It's, it's going to be okay. at least 20, so... So I'm going to give you a very careful... Right, so these are the last... This is the first of the last four episodes of this season. Okay, so it's 22 Yes, yes, yeah. there are 22, uh, 22 episode seasons. So this is this is part one of Liars, Guns and Money. And, well, since we've had a few multi-parters so far, yes. do you want to uh, put any points down right at the start of the episode to see how many episodes do you think this Liars, Guns and Money arc is going to be, Kay? Oh, that's a very trick, sneaky one. You've got a lot of points, but you have been bleeding them off. In fact... Yes. Uh, you've already lost some points this episode on a very recent bet. Oh, which one was that? Well, you bet that we wouldn't see Stark within two episodes, and here he is. Yeah, no, totally. Although... Doesn't count. I'm, the hiatus doesn't count. No, Not I, our no, I get episode. that. I, I, I refuse to accept that at this point. Interesting move. Cause Let's see how it works out for you. We haven't proven yet that this is actually Stark. <laughs> now he's getting it. All right. So I'm not accepting that we have we are seeing Stark yet. So uh, the point is conceded. The jury has consulted, and they're yeah they're nodding over there. All right. I, all have, right. I have my suspicions. So I'm going to call this a uh, oh no not even double or nothing. Actually yeah 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 yeah. Oh. I'm kind of loving this. So are you betting that we're going to find out that Stark is an imposter? This season? Yes. <laughs> and I'll put 50 points on that. <laughs> Hell yes! This is how you play! Oh, I'm so hyped for this episode. I've been... I've said this before many times. I've looked forward to, to, to sharing this with you. Uh, I've looked forward to sharing a lot of episodes with you. But Liars, Guns and Money, it is so, so peak fast. I mean, it's it's Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, yeah. You can see why Absolutely, it was based on. yes. Right? Uh, also, Ben Browder's acting is, is like take, almost like taken up a notch, I'd say. Right? Yeah. Everybody gets stuff to do and it's just... Okay, so I remembered Liars, Guns and Money as a whole. I had forgotten how much of that is already in this one episode. Mm. Like, all of these various plots, and we've we've got a whole bunch of synopses that we can talk about. Like, in my memory, they were sort of diffused over multiple episodes. I genuinely can't wait to see what I've forgotten about the uh, next however many episodes are in. This is going However to take... the arc... <laughs> all right, I'll put down another 50 that this arc is going to last until the end of the season. Uh, let's see how that works out for you. Let's first read our synopses, because I think our, our audience, maybe not everybody, remembers what uh, uh, Liars, Guns & Money 1, a not-so-simple plan is about. Yes, so Wookie is fine, says, Ocean's Eleven has got nothing on this. A foolhardy plan to rub a bank goes awry when a recurring enemy throws a monkey wrench into the crew's plans. Featuring Black Latest BDSM, Blue Girls, a chiptacular twist, and the bad kind of bedbugs. bugs. <laughs> 
I think he meant to say just Wookie, but oh. yeah, when you on the handy dandy form, which by the way you can find at sofartscape.com slash submit where you can submit your own synopses. Please don't use any characters' names and keep it funny. Like if you if you put in a handy comment there, we will read it out out loud. We're like Ron Burgundy in that regard. <laughs> Next up, the crew does an Ocean's Eleven plot so they can buy a child. Ooh. Everything gets way more complicated almost immediately, but for once it's not strictly the crew's fault. Thanks, Horsebird. Pardon me, Hersebird. <laughs> <laughs> and a crewmate appears, Matt talking to the Phantom's mask. But then my side inexplicably returns with your side is full of doubt. A, fa- <laughs> a fanatic father forces the crew's hands on an impossible heist at the deadliest bank in the galaxy. Whoa. Scorpius Dominatrix has an eye for fantasy. A space pirate and her parrot aren't there for sea shanties. <laughs> I didn't see a parrot. And nobody expects. I need storage for one soul a day. One soul a day. Ah, her par- yes. <laughs> and nobody expects the dreaded Hynerian horse. Oh, the things people will do for some KFC. And thank you. Okay, um, Matatron. Ma- Matatron. Matatron, yeah. yes. We're only halfway through. These yes. are so good. An old friend returns with a plan to get Dargo's son from the slave traders. How far will the crew of Moya go to help one of their own? Only time will tell. Thanks, Billy Roberts. Uh, and Jenna says, a blue pirate with a grey parrot put a prize in Frau Blucher's Cracker Jack box. I don't know who Frau Blucher is. No, but I don't either. Apparently, a lot of people recognize Chiana as, as essentially a pirate's parrot. I mean, that's what she does in this episode. I she kind of like, she's like that little, uh, what is it, flunky who is just, Constantly mirroring or aping whatever the, the boss says. Yes. <laughs> Essences floating in the sky. Time to get the band together to enter a shadow. Awesome blue-assed bitch pirate, leather-clad Medusa, stabbing copulation, exploding paste, mental blocks, insert the rod, and wealth can be destructive. Thanks, Test Monkey 6 k And you'd be out of your mind to follow one of this guy's plans, but the crew simply must find out if crustaceans can walk in stilettos. <laughs> Thank you, Eunice, for that. Also, A.K.A. Felicity, Felicity Black. A.K.A. Chris, one of the coolest people we've ever met. Wow. Wow. Where to even begin? Well, I mean, all of these are completely accurate and, you know, they give a good impression or at least a good, yeah, good impression of what the episode is all about. We open on the command where Zan, in a uh, in her cool vestments, is hugging Stark's mask to his to her chest. Clearly still distressed about his uh, the loss of him. Yeah, and, and Crichton carefully goes, Hey, Zan, hey, buddy, are you sure we should still be out here? And she sort of bites his head off and he slinks away and they've got the peanut gallery of Dargo and Chiana just waiting in the door, sort of going, No, 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 go back, do it again, yeah. do it again. Like, apparently everyone's already taken a turn. And now it's uh, uh, John's <laughs> turn to have a go and uh, convince that uh, Zahn is on a useless mission because she's had a vision. Uh, yeah. The mask has been talking to her, telling her to follow some sort of thing. Follow the Nexus coordinates. But we've been following them for three solar days. Just follow them, pilot. Nexus coordinates, which is very frustrating to Dargo yeah. because they'd found the location where his uh, his son was going to be yeah, there's a, uh, there's sold a in a lot of slaves. Quick, there's a conflict of interest between uh, Zan's desire to go uh, look for Stark and uh, Dargo's desire to immediately go and find his son, to which Zan correctly com- uh, says that, like, well, we don't have any money to buy him anyway, so... And Dargo is like, well, we'll find another way. Yeah, like, both of them make a, make a very good point. She says, We have no currency, Dargo. We cannot save your son. But we can save Stark. Dargo yeah. says, 
Stark is gone. But my son is still alive. Accept it, yeah. Both of them are very powerful points, but what's so interesting about it is that Dargo feels he needs to convince Zan, right? In yes. order for, for, for Moya to, to actually change course. It doesn't seem to occur to them to just overrule her and, I guess, give give pilot new orders do we have a consensus reverse course we leave here now i distinctly got the impression that dargo was feeling guilty for wanting to quit that search oh yes he does feel some guilt over what happened to stark he's uh, uh he feels he misjudged him and like certainly feels that he's partly responsible for Stark's execution at the hands of the Placavians, which we saw a few episodes yes, ago. the Placoids. The Placoids, that's right, in the ugly truth. Placoids. It had legs. Whatever. But the uh, conflict of interest is quickly resolved when not just Zahn uh, sees uh, Stark, because the mask lights up. Yes. And it was, I, n- I noticed that, like, it, it seemed distinctly digital to Holographic, me. right? Yes. Don't stop, Zen. Hurry. I'm dying. That's when I first started suspecting shenanigans. Right. Yeah, because it didn't seem like a mental vision, like the the things that we're used to from Stark. I mean, Stark's abilities have always been very non-visual. You know, he just like walks up to someone, and other than yeah, other than the, the glowing, glowing of his eye, his, yeah, 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 all of the things he does, there's never been any visuals. So the fact that someone yeah. would suddenly become visually present, mm-hmm. that his mask suddenly takes on his face. Okay, I celebrate your paranoia. <laughs> this is glorious. This is what almost two years in the uncharted territories has done to your innocent, innocent mind, much like uh, uh, John Crichton, who, I mean, he's been feeling this as well, right? He's been feeling these these flashes that he can barely think about. Mm-hmm. This, 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 this... Flash! He discovered what they were in Won't Get Fooled Again, and yes. then the memories were quietly erased. Although it does seem in this, during this episode that everybody is much cooler about him having, you know, occasional Scorpius visions. I mean, he's clearly come out about that, that they're happening. And even Aaron, at multiple times during this episode, goes like, Scorpius again? Yeah, Scorpius again. It's not Scorpius, you're having visions again. So that was a little... Okay, so we'll get there shortly, because Mm -hmm. that one actually a little bit confused me, because nobody was there to experience, you know, the aftermath of his encounter with the neural clone during his torture by the Scarum. And then afterward, he didn't talk about it like he couldn't. No. Even when the neurobiotracer was soaking up the mind-cleansing drugs, Mm any time that he tried to talk about what was happening, he just sort of lost his train of thought and didn't finish his sentence, because it seemed like he couldn't think about it anymore. but even before... That he was already like showing occasional uh, bouts of weirdness, you know, when he was shoot, when he shot the uh, corridor uh, and yeah, Aaron was true. going, and yeah, he's in my head. He's yeah, been talking right, about that kind right. of thing. So I, it seems like that he's been uh, more or less accepted that he's like still being troubled, and I assume that Aaron is just thinking it's PTSD or something along those lines. If she even acknowledges that such a thing exists, but uh, I mean, she's a peacekeeper, they must have yeah some kind of regimen for that. You think uh, so? Also, Zahn seems to have a new robe. Uh, yeah, I, I think she's worn it once or twice before. I okay. think it's usually outerwear. Chiana also has her sexy new outfit that she got in uh, Home on the Remains that she hasn't really gotten a lot of use out of, but she's got that back on again. Yeah. Yeah, so I think maybe that's why why John... No. I was going to say that's why John can relate to, uh, uh, to Zahn, because he's also been a little bit insane, but he doesn't really. In fact, he doesn't really relate well to anyone, especially Dargo. 
Yes. And we're worried about Dargo. The mask lights up, and John is also now convinced that, okay, apparently Zahn is not just being wishful thinking because a ship appears on sensors uh, with a fading life form on board. Yes. They grab it in the docking web and haul Actual Stark on board. CGI docking web, by yes. the way. You actually see it this time. Oh, yeah. Previously, it was just sort of implied, and they, they follow the docking dildo, but now you see an actual really cool sort of netting effect around it. Uh, it's brought on board, and a sort of towel-wrapped Stark is, uh, uh, is brought aboard, who is ranting and raving because he has a plan to save Dargo's son. So here, Dargo. Everything. Be everything. calm, Stark. Be calm. What is this dread? How will help me save my son? I've got a plan, a plan. Stark, your life signs are still weak which all seems a little bit too convenient to me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, Stark suddenly shows up again. He apparently survived. He managed to reform, and he immediately went to work to go and find something to rescue Dargo's son. When I dispersed, I instantly traveled to locate these plans and blueprints, and then I, I reconstituted the shell of this body, and... and stole a ship to come find you. So there's, like, shenanigans. That's perfectly fine to me. Yeah, no, there's shenanigans here. I mean, this is, like, it's all a little bit too convenient. He has the perfect plan to do a, a bank heist. You're uh, right. It is perfect and absolutely flawless and goes completely <laughs> according to plan. You're, no, that is very suspicious how well everything goes. Now, right. that you, now that you put it like that. But also the way that he <laughs> appeals to everybody a little bit. Well, several players. So right. he, he, appeals, he, he appeals to Dargo, because, of course, we're doing this to rescue his son. Yeah. But he also throws in comments about riches and everything to clearly like lure Rigel, Rigel. and Chiana in, who have both been very skeptical until they realize, oh, wait, we can actually make a lot of money. And then suddenly they become a lot more receptive to this idea of his. Oh, Chiana is straight, like, as soon as they say, as soon as she says, rob we're going to rob a bank, yeah, it's like, she's I'm in. in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, you mean like a bank? Yes. Are we going to rob a bank? Yes. <laughs> I am in. <laughs> The only one he doesn't really seem to talk to is Zahn. Right, true, yeah. Whereas, I mean, you know, maybe he's already done all, all his talking to her through the through the mask uh, message or hologram. Yeah, she, she's been tending to him, uh, peels his, uh, his cloth wrappings off. We see his... Puts his uh, mark, mask back on, which, which seems to give him great comfort. Huge, huge relief. Because yeah. he talks about how his body is only a molecular creation. There's a bunch of uh, yeah. Farscape, no babble. Scape no babble? Well, scabble. Who's going to figure out what scabble means? Okay, far scabble. Getting farther away from it. That sounds like a great game. That's probably like the, the game that Pilot is secretly playing on his console. That with, does, all, with all the other pilots. Yeah, yeah, it does nothing except just playing far scabble. <laughs> That's literally, it's far scrabble. Like it's, it's FD. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because what he has is a, a, a set of plans, a blueprints for a depository, but specifically... A shadow depository. Yes. Wait a microt. Are you talking about a shadow depository? Something that Rigel and Aaron both recognize. A shadow depository is where uh, illicit goods are being kept. Oh, actually, good point. That's how he assuages Zan's concerns that, oh, so we're going to rescue Dargo's son. by stealing property from other people, and yes. And he goes, yeah, but it's okay, because it's all from assholes. It is one that services only criminals who wish to hide what they have stolen from others. Oh, well, all right. That's all right, then. Because, yeah, only 
assholes would keep their money at a shadow bank, I suppose. I mean, yeah, criminals wanting to hide their ill-gotten goods. Yeah, but that implies there's some, some sort of uh, overreaching government in the galaxy, which, you know, I mean, I, I, I think of a bank like this would be kind of like the Switzerland of first, the outer territories, the uncharted, uncharted territories. Yeah. The uncharted territories are not as uncharted as uh, no. some condescendingly like to claim. <laughs> So, I mean, it seems like a perfect plan. Lots of people are very enthusiastic about it. Not so much Erin. Their arsenal would be massive. This is suicide. No. Um, she says that the uh, shadow bank, she's seen one before, and they tend to have uh, more weaponry than a Gamak base, which I you noticed. Got yes. Very good. So, apparently, Gamak base was not, yeah, just the type of base, not the name of that particular base. It's been left ambiguous so far because yeah. they always talk about his Gamak base. And, like, okay, right. so are there more? Now we know. Yes. Our Gamak base is, uh, I mean, maybe it's because it's uh, uh, in a secret location, like for the peacekeepers to actually operate a base. Mm in the Uncharted Territories, and was also, like, on an abandoned moon, under an abandoned, like, installation, like, yes. super-duper secret. On a, an abandoned moon filled with oil. Covered in oil, I suppose. Yeah, with, in hindsight, actually not really weaponry on the surface, or sensors. No. So, when she says it has more weapons than a Gamak base, maybe, maybe been, it has, she, like, any weapons at all. She might have been referring to just the amount of uh, soldiers on the base with oh, good carrying point, firearms. Oh, plenty, yeah. Yeah, because, like, lots of folks were walking around with guns in this episode. And now we get to John... I didn't... Like, I thought he was kind of out of character, because John tries to convince Dargo, hey, this is impossible. Yeah. Right? Based on Aaron's perspective, and... I would expect him to have Dargo's back more. Yes, because Dargo is pretty much forced to set off on his own. Well, this is the only way we can save my son. We must consider it. Dargo, wait. No, no, no. I know this is important. I know you want to do this. But it is not possible. You won't even consider this? I just don't see how we... Well, fine. We'll go without you. We'll go without all four of you. Like, he correctly says, have I ever questioned... You know, when you had a plan, have I ever questioned whether it was possible? Now, okay, Darko would make a good lawyer. You have yeah. questioned every plan he has always had, but it's true. You've never said it specifically it that was, it was impossible. impossible. No. So this is a huge sort of sort of wedge because even like Chiana tries to mediate. She tries to convince Dargo mm. that she's on his side, but also that he should maybe listen a little bit more than he's doing. Yeah. But he rejects that as well. He calls them all cowards, and he stomps off. Yes. Uh, Chana's definitely doing her uh, social lubricant job again, which seems to be her natural role. She's usually quite good at it. She's very insightful, but she is quite young as well. Mm. And she hasn't earned the sort of respect that some others enjoy in Dargo's eyes, I think. Affection, fact, certainly. Despite, despite the fact that they're frelling, yeah. Yeah. Dargo uh, takes one of the uh, pods and sets off for the bank, which is, of course, conveniently within uh, uh, reach. It's within the range of a transport pod from here. Aaron and John put on their cool coats and go after him. Take uh, the prowler. Uh, it's nice and intimate. They fly through this planet-based building structure. Yeah. It looks amazing. It's, it's a little bit Blade Runner-esque. There's been a say. lot of that lately, isn't yeah. there? And it's all this these tall structures, this sort of industrial look. Everything's worn and weathered. It's raining as well, as it apparently always is in, uh, in L.A. in 2019. <laughs> um, Acid rain, man. And they land on this building that is, what do you describe it? It's an eight-pointed star. It's basically 
two squares overlaid yeah. at 45 degrees of one another, which is a running motif through the biggest sets that anyone in this production had ever been on, including like Claudia Black and producer Tony Winley, who'd both worked on on Pitch Black. I mean, like, these, that, that, that building is clearly a matte painting, but the, then the insides are just, uh, yeah, just like inside of buildings. It's like, they don't look particularly huge. Sets. Really? No. Look at the ceilings. They're so, so high. They're okay. enormous, and there's, and there's so many of them. That's big. It's very big. Kay, I'm heartbroken. I'm heartbroken that you're not okay. as stunned by this as I am. No, of course, you were jaded by the decades of like television production that have followed, but this was the 90s. Man. It, was, it, was, yeah. it was 2000. Like, the, the we hadn't 90s. even seen Battlestar Galactica, where, yeah, I mean, when we saw the hangar bays in BSG, that was amazing, uh, especially because they had all the uh, the fantastic CGI set mm. extensions. But, man, these ceilings were so, so tall. There's a, a constant motif of these octagons, these octagon stars, squares and rectangles, and really lovely colours. Like, it reminded me of, we've talked about it before, a theme park called the Efteling, yeah. which has some, you know, exotic locations in... in right, f- there's greens and pinks and... See, this is kind of... more like fairy lights. They're great colours, though. This they is are. totally how I would, how I would, you know, decorate my lair if oh, I would ever have, pink to have one. Pink and green is fantastic. I think it's more teal than green. Very good. I would say. So, and more salmon than pink. Yes. Pink is tacky. You are going pink. John and Aaron show up doing a fantastic Neo and Trinity as they're walking down into the... Uh... Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> yes, yes, they're so slick and so black and they're just walking... Wow, they really are Neo and Trin- Trinity just sex walking through... <laughs> <It> a... <laughs> Watching the goings-on. Lots of guys with guns, lots of... It, it, has, it exudes the atmosphere of shady deals done here. Yes, lots of goggle guards, that's how you can tell them. Yeah. Conveniently walking in between the camera and the heroes, walking back and forth for no reason. We see a little sort of psychodrama play out where a, a white-haired man is talking to a sort of blue crab woman. A typical Star Trek alien, I would call it. Really? Yes. All right. Have we ever seen an alien of this caliber on Star Trek, though? Well, I'm talking about the, the, you know, it's the planet of the foreheads again. Wait, are you talking about the blue crab woman? Yes, the the one who runs the base. Yeah? I mean, she could have walked out of any Star Trek episode. I defy you. I defy you to point out a Star Trek episode with full body sex makeup, like like she has with with, with things on her hair. Okay, maybe season one, season one, the next generation. Mm. Maybe I'll give you that. Where you have right. like the Anticons and the and the Soleil. Something like that, yeah. Okay, but after that, it's all dudes with foreheads and weird wigs. And, True. I mean, okay, is, Borg Queen. Yeah, okay. Borg Queen was first in the movie, though. True. That Alice but Creek. still Star Trek, oh. yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. I got a lot of those vibes from that. Do you know, Dave Elsie, he created this for uh, for this actress, and she's called Claudia Carvin. And she's a big deal in Australia. Uh, I forget the rest of her credits. Much, many, many apologies to Claudia Carvin. She was originally cast as the princess in the Look at the Princess trilogy. Oh. And she rejected the role because she said, if I'm going to be on Farscape, I want to be a monster. Fair point. And so Dave Elsie just rubbed his little hands together and said, oh, have I got some plans for you? We're going to make you into a crab woman. And then the producers saw these sketches and they said, what the f***? We just spent a fortune on one of the most gorgeous women in all of Australia. And we're completely covering her and with gonna, makeup. Yeah, yeah, what are you doing? And this was their opinion. But while this argument was ongoing, 
They had 10 days before shooting. They still had to build it. Oh, damn. That's a quick job then. Uh, so, well, I mean, all the jobs had to be that fast. That was the pressure that Dave Elsie and the Creature Shop were, were under. But so he was building this unapproved full-body prosthetic that only he and Claudia were enthusiastic about. But, but then I, even on the day of shooting, he wasn't sure whether anyone liked it. Oh, damn. Yeah. But I can, I can, I can imagine that she... She'd say that, like, I want to be an alien or I want to be a monster. I mean, we've heard uh, Gigi Edley said the same thing, where it's fantastic that you can be you can be one of the creatures from the creature shop. Yeah, You can be an alien. You can be uh, some weird monster alien. I, I, I can see the appeal to that, that people would love to do that. Okay. Let's look at the aliens that we've had. How would you sort of rate your odds, certainly in the second half of, of season two? If they say, okay, I, I say to you right now, you can be an alien or Farscape. Yeah. Like, okay, cool. Now, you could be a placavoid. Mm-hmm. Would that be something that you would show your friends? It depends. Or I mean, would you want to be a, a, a sexy, beboobed, high-heeled crab woman? Well. Right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, that might be worth it. I could see myself as that, that red dude from uh, the first time we saw... What's his name again? Uh, the episode. The red dude. Oh, with uh, Moldus. Yeah, mean? yeah. the first time we saw Moldus. Yeah, Zan Squeeze. Oh, what's yes. his name again? Well, I'm sure I'll edit it in here. Liko is, is, is his, his name. name. Okay, I didn't catch But I've that. got him as, the, as like the, the magenta magician or the uh, flirty okay. herbalist. Ooh, very good. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so here comes the first of three D&D gambits. Because, okay, Crichton sees this uh, this psychodrama play out with this man who is bullying Natira, as we learn her name is. Don't forget who I am. I haven't. She turns out to be the owner of the Shadow Depository. Mm-hmm. Uh, this man says, well, I hope you don't forget who I am. And she says, yes. You're nobody here. But do as I say, and we'll let the relationship unfold. <laughs> yes. And, but John sees that person as... Scorpius. Yes. So he grabs Aaron, pulls her aside. Look out, look out. Don't Scorpius, look now. It's Scorpius. Yeah. And she... No, it's not. Go, Scor- look, yeah. look. What? Scorpius. Where? Over there. Talking Jump. to that weird blue alien. And that's where she is already You're right. used to the yeah. point that he's like, like having these little visions. She doesn't like particularly react to this. I mean, she reacts to it. Like, yeah. okay, she checks and then she sees it's not. And then she's not surprised that... John is, uh, is having wrong. another Scorpius vision. She's a very good caretaker for him. So, yeah. But shortly thereafter, they accidentally set off the weapon scanners because they have arrived with weapons, which is apparently a no-no. And over your weapons. John immediately goes into his, like, oh, good, we were just checking out security sp- spiel. Good. Very, very good. D&D gambit number one. When you get caught by the guards, pretend you were testing them. It is tried and true, and it works 100% of the time in D&D. Every time that I've tried it, it has always worked flawlessly, and it's never immediately failed. 60% of the time, it works every time. They're accosted by Akor. He has a sort of Zazu, Major Domo kind yes, of look to I him. Can see, right? I can see that, yeah. <laughs> it's the high forehead and the, 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 the long nose. Just, excuse me, what did you think you were doing? And then he says, okay, well, I was testing you because we have something very valuable. Do you remember what the valuable thing is? That it was, uh, Yes, it was a KFC. KFC. What is that? Ah, well, we finally managed to uh, collect the 12 secret ingredients, and uh, (laughs) I mean, it works. (laughs) He even uses a line that Scorpius has told him before, because he says that it's unique. Unique. And unique is always valuable. Mm. Unique in the universe, and unique is always valuable. 
In the meantime, Dargo is sneaking around... Yes, they've, uh, they've spotted Dargo before they were interrupted by the fake Scorpius spotting. Uh, right. And Dargo is now using this opportunity, this distraction, would, if you would, to try and get into the vault. Do they know... They, are they deliberately stalling to buy time for Dargo, or are they just stalling to save themselves? What do you think? Yeah, six of one, half a dozen of the other. Well, it depends they on whether they know. They didn't mean to get caught. They saw Dargo. They, they spotted Dargo. They wanted to talk to him. But I don't think they're particularly, like, at this point, trying to buy time for Dargo. Right. It's like, it might be a little bit of both. It's like a, maybe a, a, a added benefit yeah. or something. Dargo doesn't get far. The door opens. The alarm goes off. Everybody jumps on him. He goes down like a lead balloon. I mean... I was thinking at first, is like, is this a bit of wharf effect here, or it's? But no, it's probably just for plot purposes. It's like eight dudes, yeah, converging on him, and then uh, Natira walks up in her fantastic, like, crab, like armor boots, and she has these beautiful lines. As a race, Luxons can be inartful at love, inadequate at war, and intrinsically inept. I almost thought that David Kemper wrote it. No, it's uh, it's Grant McAloon who had also written Durka Returns, and she talks about how their Luxons are inartful at love, war, and inadequate yeah. at war. But this one is intelligent. It's such a lovely like, mm. just playing with syllables for no reason. She's having so much fun. She's doing very good. At, she's doing a great job at articulating with those teeth. They're dragging him off, and he is to be interrogated. Yeah, let's not find disappoint him. What the plan is? John and Aaron uh, Scarper sort of violating D and D tenets in this case by uh, uh, breaking up the party, uh, so they can go back to Moya, where John can accost Stark. Argo is down there because of you. Look, you left him no choice. He had to. Had to. Yes, he kind of jumps him, throws him to the ground, starts assaulting him almost. Aaron takes a turn as well. What are you talking about? Uh, the plan, the plan to, to get Dago back and to rob the depository. But you put the whole place on security alert. <laughs> he says this was all part of the plan. And Stark doesn't sound like Stark at this point. It's all part of the plan, you see. All right, who does he sound like? Ooh. Or, well, okay, so that was a leading question. Yeah, I would say that. <laughs> Sorry. Because to me, he looks, he, he appears like Stark appeared in Nerve when we first meet him. My side, your side, my side, your side, my side, your side. Which is later revealed, you know, in the cell. Yeah. Right? My side, your side even does that. Yes. Which is later revealed to be a ruse by yes. Stark, pretending to, be, uh, pretending to be crazy. But this time, like, that kind of mania, that is how he expresses himself. Like, these huge bursts yeah. of emotion. And then returning to a lower emotional state with no, no I, I, I kind of... That, that that one escaped me. The my side, your side. I didn't. Re- I, now I recall that it was in this episode, and then it happened in the cell as well. Oh, very good. Yes. No, that one. Uh, oh, very interesting. But, but yeah, to me, he doesn't sound like the calm and collected Stark. He has another purpose. He's like, there's something that he's not letting on. Devil's advocate. Uh, he has been executed. True. And had to reconstitute his his molecular form. True. That may have something to do with it. Maybe. If we play Stark at straight value, he yep. is very determined to get Dargo's son back to him. So yeah. If for some reason, he is very invested in that. And I mean, that that is possible, mm-hmm. but I'm wondering why. And to me, it felt that he was not acting like Stark. And I mean, there might be an explanation for that, 
but still, he didn't feel like himself. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, I'm I, I, my, really my, like, into the. I'm just saying, yeah, like, yeah. my suspicion of him kept building That's during the entire episode. Entirely valid because you know when these episodes were airing, the message board were aflame. They lit up like a like a Christmas tree. So I love, I love that this is where you're where you're going with it, because nobody knows what to think. Aaron and John are being incredibly violent toward uh, uh, towards Stark, Stark. Yes, but they kind of reluctantly have to uh, uh, go with his plan. Because apparently he basically allowed Dargo to trigger the alarm, which means that they now have to reset the codes, and that will give him the opportunity to basically hack into the system exactly. and take control. Which he didn't tell them about, because then they wouldn't let Dargo get captured, or because there's no other way to trigger the... Uh, it, it's all suspicious, you know? It's always like it, it's always too convenient with Stark. Okay, playing playing good cop? Yeah. I think that after Dargo stormed out and called them all cowards, and before he left with his transport pod, mm. he and Stark had another conversation okay. where they devised this plan together. Like, okay, there, these are the stakes. This is what I need. I need to get access to the security systems. And for that to happen, their security systems have to be triggered. And then I think that Dargo was quite okay with him being captured. Yeah. If it would, A, allow access to the security systems. And, and B, B, get everybody else involved. Force, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, interesting hypothesis. Uh, no way to, for, uh, for it to be tested. Right. But yeah, no, it's possible. Yeah, I, uh, uh, It's a good theory. I like it. Dargo's being tested. Yes, uh, in the BDSM ball. Or, yeah. So in, there's this, like, this weird like acrobatic sphere which he's been strapped to the outside. I mean, that, that's the worst fucking BDSM wreck ever. And besides, they've got him on the, the wrong way around. It's like... <laughs> Yes, it is a BDSM boudoir here. Uh, this is Natira's chambers, as we uh, just, discovered. Like, yeah, they're just beating him up a little bit, which is fine, apparently. Squeezing his tankers. She even asks him yeah. whether he enjoys pain. Which um, he doesn't answer. Yeah, uh, it's got these these beautiful, huge windows with these bars. It's really raining gorgeous. outside again, as it always is there. Very Blade Runner. We cut back to Moya, where a new plan is being enacted, and a plan that in- includes entombing Rigel. Yes, he's being three D printed into a statue. While Chiana and, uh, and and Zan deal with his incessant prattling about how 7% isn't enough, how does that math work I, out? I don't know. 10% of this plan is lunacy. 50% of these riches is not enough. 100% of that is dead. I mean, we have... How many people do we have? What, we've got John, we've got Aaron, we've got Chana, we've got yeah. Dargo, Zan. we've got Zan, and we've got Rigel. So there's six people on board. Yeah, not counting Pilot, who probably doesn't, doesn't have want to a... I mean, that's okay, 100 divided by 6 is 17... Yeah, 17 ish. Yeah. Okay, so they get you 17%, but there's also Stark. Yeah. But the, the first cut goes to buying Jothy, who's right. in a lot of 10,000 slaves. So it must be like one sixth or one seventh of whatever is left over of the presumed worth of what they're going to steal right. after subtracting the presumed worth of the slaves, which are being sold at auction. So you don't even know what the price is going no. to be. Just Unless they have a, like an, a space eBay buy it now price. <laughs> Okay, yeah, no, I'll, I'll accept that. But a percentage of whatever is left, a percentage of the profit after they buy the slaves or buy Jothi free. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Chiana and Zan swallow some pills that she uh, she gives them, which immunizes them to a gas that she uh, douses Rigel with in order to slow down his metabolism so doesn't, that he doesn't yeah, appear on. doesn't quite work fast enough because he still keeps prattling around for a little bit until he uh, goes unconscious. <laughs> 10%, do you hear me? 10, 
I consider this an oral contract. Strange. Should have been instantaneous. I'll have to adjust the mix next time. <laughs> have none of you ever heard of, like, masks? Like, a gas mask? I know. It's like, I mean, why do I have a mask when you can take a pill? Yeah. Uh, Stark is, meanwhile, managing to hack his way into the... Uh, a security system. He's been at it for five hours. And he's yes. only got one hour left, as John reminds him. But then, boom, I'm he, in. He manages it. I'm yes. in. How convenient. Oh, wow. You are super suspicious uh, of everything. I'm like, yeah. like, I mean, I'm like super suspicious on Stark right now. And this is where, okay, he, he's handing John a whole bunch of the, I don't know, code rods that he didn't quite get right. Well, and, it's, uh, it's, it's the things that he's supposed to be able to open all the doors with, which actually does work. Although, again, he, again, he like he doesn't say everything. It's like, yes. It uh, turns out that, like, yes, you can open all the doors with it, but you will then alert yourself. So he seems to be holding back, Stark does, which uh, is, doesn't seem to be like the Stark that we used to know. Not just holding back. Like, yeah. it's even worse. He, he tells John after the my side, your side, go to your quarters, just do nothing. That's what Dargo says you're good at. Oh, yeah. And John pulls his gun mm. and he puts Winona up against his neck and says, don't lie. Did Dargo really say that about me? And Stark says no. And John doesn't yeah. really have a follow-up. You want to guilt trip me, that's fine. Just... Don't lie to me. Good. This was so weird. What was this conflict about? He doesn't even seem to know. It's a strange. It was a strange scene. Yeah, I also had like had a little bit of trouble following the dialogue at that point. So right, uh, it was a bit of a uh, yeah. We a, had a bit of a Homebush Bay situation. We were inundated with rain. And well, yes, much like that. in the Farscape Studios, when it <laughs> rains, you just can't fucking hear each other. Zahn dresses up fantastically yes! she goes complete cat suit and yes! eye patch and she was so happy <gasps> i get skin tight <gasps> me <laughs> no only my face gets painted it's like <laughs> and i'm skin tight and i get to be svelte and i'm not like constantly in all these light sort of draperies that make me look like a space meringue <laughs> i get to just be a, a foxy black leather like she everybody else amazing oh my god and she's so tough throughout this whole episode she's got edge and attitude toward everyone yeah she walks in strutting like she owns the place dismissing the door greeter <laughs> yes. immediately going may i help you no bring me whoever's in charge here i assure you madam i'm more Don't than capable elevate yourself i know a functionary when one crawls in front of my face now fetch me your master like a good little minion i want to speak to the manager it's like she's like goes full <laughs> karen on that <laughs> yeah no i know a flunky when i see one yeah <laughs> <laughs> And Chiana is so great. Like she's Speaking just... of flunkies, Chiana's playing the perfect <laughs> flunky here. Oh, no, this is kind of rubbish. Shouldn't we go? Oh, come on, girl. Better is whatever I say it is. I knew that. Basically mirroring whatever uh, clever, clever, oh. clever comment Zahn makes. Yeah. Yes, that, in my world, that is the sound that a parrot makes. Okay, fine. <laughs> okay. Uh, Natira is interested and goes up to uh, uh, Zan, who, with her eye patch, she introduces herself as Orala mm -hmm. uh, and says that she has something extremely valuable for a, a very short-term deposit. Time-sensitive goods. Short-term deposit. Short-term. Short-term. Short yeah, so she only, she only wants to deposit it for one solar day. Uh, yeah, which is unusual, but right. highly Especially valuable. She, apparently, she, she doesn't ever leave the the facility during that day. It's like she walks oh, yeah. in, she walks into the bank, like, oh, I want to deposit this, and she walks around the bank for a little bit, goes like, oh, I'd want, like to withdraw it again. And yeah, the guy just goes like, oh, that's highly unusual. It's like, I told you it was going to be a short deposit. Yes, but 
Why? <laughs> I live an unusual sort of life. That yeah. is, well, it does seem to intrigue uh, Natira, who also just seems to be wandering around the visitors' uh, no, uh, she was, lobby. She was standing in the uh, in the teller's window when she was like talking to him. And also, Orala, so Zan, claims that Dargo was sent in to test their yes. uh, security system. I had one of my operatives test your systems himself. He got halfway into your vault before you even noticed him. The Luxon. He barely made it through the first door. He belongs to you. He's still alive. Last I checked. They couldn't even kill a Luxon. Unbelievable. I will take him back now. You'll take whatever I give you. How did he get our code? It is not my job to plug your security leak. Aaron and John are now acting as guards for... Yeah, Arala. which is just sort of yeah. accepted by everyone. Like their earlier Everybody. skirmish yeah. apparently didn't really register on the whatever. It's it's great. In we go. Natira gives her a tour of the, the vault, vault room. And there's a bit of a I don't know, there's a bit of a sort of Mivonk measuring contest between these yes. these two extremely tough, extremely sexy women. Like brings her up to the, the door where her her new oh what's it called? Her new uh, pod. deposit yeah. pod, yes, is going to arrive and it arrives really fast and and Zan takes a couple of steps she back she flinches back yes which yeah uh, so it's a little bit Natira inter- with yeah. one for Natira yes <laughs> uh, what is it, what did she say again it's always a little bit intimidating the first time for the first, first time, time yes <laughs> yeah, it's such a it's such a blue pissing contest <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, her bodyguards, John and Aaron, are uh, regarding all this from the observation room, which is like a security station with a bunch of monitors, yes. all of which are octagonal. Yes, because and they they've been of- told that she, they weren't allowed to come to the vault with them, but they, they were allowed to watch it from the observation uh, lounge, which uh, I guess is the security uh, centre. Which the security people leave after some whispering, which yeah. John says is rude, and then he gets all squirrely again. Aaron says, Scorpius. And he says, yes, yeah, Scorpius. Because- she says, no. Scorpius. Scorpius, because indeed up shows Scorpius. Do you remember in um, two eighteen, a Clockwork Nabari, uh, where I misremembered and thought that while they were pretending to be under attack, they actually came under attack? Yeah. This must be what I was thinking about, because ah, while yes. he's thinking that he's seeing Scorpius, no, you're actually seeing Scorpius. He has just arrived. This time it's for real, yes. Scorpius, who also wants to make a withdrawal, and he's looking bad. Yeah, he's uh, he's sort of growling and 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 lurching, and he's got Braca in his great biker outfit, mm. and yet another sexy nurse, another PK uh, uh, Barbie. He insists on speaking to Natira. He's stopped by Zazu by Akor. Natira's policy on client confidentiality is very strict. I could lose my position. Of course. Oh, I understand. <laughs> Who gets beat up immediately? By Braca, yeah. Braca has this cool, like, kick him in the nads and then elbow him in the neck. It's such yeah. a power move. <sighs> but they can't quite uh, make the progress that they want to because uh, the nurse insists, okay, we have to exchange your cooling rods. And this is the first time that John and Aaron get to see it. Mm. Like, they, they see what happens, that the, the, the mincer comes out of his yes. head. Aaron immediately jumps to the right conclusion. Yes. Saying like, oh, he's half scarens for his heating problem. Yeah. Somehow it makes complete sense for both of them that this is a that there's a cooling rod being inserted directly into his brain. And once he's back on his feet, we're treated to some 
some really tense will they or won't they because Natira is guiding uh, Zan and Chiana toward the same doors that Scorpius is approaching. Oh, are they going to see each other? Ooh. It's, yeah, it's very well done. Uh, the same happens with uh, John and Aaron later, but yeah, there's like a will they meet or not, but uh, Natira excuses herself from Zan and tells her that her assistant will... Uh, escort her out and she just in time and she immediately goes to give uh, Scorpius a very hearty welcome Natira Scorpius oh hello Scorpius so nice to see you again they're so handsy yes. we haven't met anyone who's as handsy as Scorpius so far but uh, uh, she she takes him up to her boudoir where instead of the BDSM bowl he sits in a fucking sling yes and things turn a little bit sour very quickly because she apparently heard of the destruction of the Gamak base and decided to liquidate Scorpius's assets, basically seize his pod and apparently sell it right off. I heard about the destruction of your Gamak base. And you thought I was dead? Well, I'm glad I was wrong. You seized my property. Well, of course. <laughs> it's just sparkling power play between them. I kind of wonder if Wayne Pygram, who plays Scorpius, and, mm-hmm. uh, and Claudia Carvin, who plays Natira, if they knew each other previously, if they had any any sort of experience, because there is just electricity between them as they, as they sort of bully each other, because she says, well, for your inconvenience, of course I'll reimburse you. I don't know. No, for my inconvenience, you'll provide me <sighs> with triple the value. And she actually agrees, because she knows knows she's in the wrong. And apparently Scorpius, although he doesn't have a command carrier with him, still wields sufficient power to make problems for a uh, shadow bank or a shadow fault. A shadow depository, depository, yeah. That's what it's called. Yeah, we don't know what he's got. We know that the Nabari were harassed by a a peacekeeper unit. Mm -hmm. No idea if that's a full command carrier, what he's got uh, that he's traveling the uncharted territories with. Well, whatever it is, it wasn't apparently not unique or, you know, irreplaceable. It was just valuable because he readily accepts whatever it is that she is offering him. Yeah, the cash equivalent. Yeah. Back on Moyer, uh, Stark once again has to defend his plan against John and later on Aaron, showing off, no, there's no reason to panic. I've got a few more gadgets. I've got these comms, which we can now use because they're encrypted. Didn't yeah. have those before. And you have the uh, uh, the sort of unlock every door magic key. Pass key, yes. Still, everyone's quite suspicious, but he says, no, 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 don't panic. It's all going fine. It's all going fine. And they don't have any other option. Dargo has been returned to Moya because of Zan's successful bluff that he was just her security guard testing, being very callous about whether or not he... Oh, he's still alive. Oh, how convenient, you know? Yeah. She's a good... I mean, Virginia Hayes is a good actress. Zan is also a pretty good actress. I guess she's taken some lessons since her terrible performance at the Placavoids. <laughs> maybe they've had some like one-on-one coaching with Gianna. No, no, no. I guess maybe she's just like she. These are bad people in her book, so therefore she doesn't mind. Being... Oh wow! Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, she has like you know, flexible morality. It's like if you know bad people, you don't have to be good. I mean, I guess is that well, that's true neutral or lawful evil? I'm not sure which. I would need to rewatch all of the Good Place in order to figure out like whether that's oh, is it Kantian or is that Descartian? Hmm. Yes. What kind of ethics? Descartian are? or Decantian? I mean, that's what you do with wine. But Chi is taking care of Dargo, who is recuperating under oh two layers. He's got uh, a moist skin flake, and he's also got some furs on yes. his uh, on his bed. 
he's not doing very well. Crichton comes to check on him, which very quickly sort of turns into a fight between them. And uh, uh, Chiana even tries to, like, hey, now's not a good time. Crichton, just, just leave him alone, okay? And John goes, no, if he wants to get into it, let's get into it. And catches himself, like, I didn't come here to fight. Came to see how you are. Well, we've already covered that. Is there anything else? And nothing gets resolved between them. Like, nope. they're still bitter toward each other. And I find this a bit hard to, like, why is John so unsupportive? Yes. And why is, why is Dargo so unforgiving? Mm, like, even for, for their personalities, it just seems like a lot. I guess it works for the plot. Speaking uh, of plot... In the vault, Rigel is having some difficulty getting out of the statue that he's in. One, get out of statue. Two, use gadget to retrieve prize. Three, jump into containers full of riches. Problem is, step one! Well, the blue bitch said this would be easy. And then he has to climb around, which, hey, by the way, a puppet climbing a ladder? Yeah. I'm nobody's puppet. That is a feat of... He's not even climbing a ladder. He's just climbing the the rails or whatever the lighting fixture is, which is for some unclear reason still burning. The lights are still on in this pod, which... Convenient, huh? Yeah. Yeah, Uh, apparently the operator for Rigel's puppet, Matt McCoy, uh, nearly fell to his death at one point. Oh, damn. He was, yeah, braced up here. And, I mean, these are huge sets once again. And at one point he overbalanced and he had, like, one hand was up Rigel and the other one was holding the Rigel (laughs) controller, both of which cost 20 billion Australian dollars. And he was sort of tilting over, like, a story and a half drop and all he had to brace himself was his head. So he sort of smacked his head against the superstructure, just wedged himself back. Some help here, please. Yes. Rigel climbs through a conveniently located hatch at the top of the pod. It's nice that they have Starts waving his PKE meter around. Uh, (laughs) What? PKE meter is that like thingy from Ghostbusters. Oh, okay. Wait. Yeah, PKE meter is what it's called. Physical oh, okay. kinetic energy meter. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I thought you meant a peacekeeper E meter. <laughs> and that the, because the E meter is the bullshit thing I know, yes, from, from, from Scientology. Scientology where the FDA required them to say on the label that it does nothing because it doesn't. Uh. Okay, so this ambiguous device, which may be either Ghostbusters or Scientology. Okay, so the goal is for him to find a different pod to be in and then swap the identity chips. Which kind of gets glossed over because we never see him do anything except sit outside the hatch. Yes. That was like a bit of a weak element in this episode. I mean, I, I, I grokked what happened. But only after it was complete. Because yeah, exactly. Once, once the pod is being summoned, which happens in a bit... We aren't sure whether he's in the right one exactly. or the wrong one. Exactly. We never what? see him swapping from one pot to the other. We just see him falling back down uh, after the pot suddenly starts zooming ahead after Zahn recalls it. All he's got to do is switch containers. He gets it right. I got one big kiss for him. Yeah. <laughs> but fortunately, apparently, everything worked out. Even the fact that Rigel sort of fell back inside and is awkwardly almost visible in his underpants, by yes. the way. Yeah, under robes, I would say. Yes, very good. He's uh, 
as the Uncharted Territories book observed, like he's decided to forego the Y front that he had when he was oh, frozen. Uh, yes, in, I remember that. Thank God it's Friday again, and he's got these. That's not an image that I wanted back in my head. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You're welcome. And uh, now he's got these orange underclothes. Orange, yeah. the, uh, uh, the nice contrast to his uh, ecclesiastic purple. And while the pot is being retrieved, John is snuck back into uh, Natira's quarters where yes. he finds Scorpius's little case of glow sticks. Yeah, that's something that he was doing while observing in the, uh, uh, in the observation room. What are you doing? Doing what guys do best. I'm looking for Baywatch. Better yet, the Discovery Channel. He was also keeping an eye on what Scorpius and Natira were doing. Because and- earlier he asked for Zahn to create some sort of paste or something that would react uh, with heat and when he says react i mean explode so even though his head should be in the game and he should be focusing on this heist as aaron tries to encourage him to do he is also just looking for an opportunity to kill scorpius and he sees that opportunity when uh, scorpius and tira leave their boudoir but without the case with all the uh yes and uh, aaron goes like oh you want revenge no i don't want revenge i just want to kill him which i thought was a great line (laughs) (laughs) it's justice yeah and she supports him like she knows that there is it's not quite right but she still got his back which i guess is the the good and the bad side of having a close relationship with someone yeah that you'll have their back even when they're making a mistake. Yes, he slathers the uh, cooling rod with uh, the paste. He tries to. Oh, yes. Go away. I'm going to let you go. Go away. But... He can't. He's like being like the Scorpius mind chip is like preventing him from doing that. And it's actually, again, Eren who takes over and is like, all right, I'll do it. I can do this. Come, John, I won't let you. <laughs> no, you can't. Give it to me. So apparently she doesn't have that many problems actually going ahead and killing Scorpius. She's got his. She's, yeah. She doesn't care about Scorpius. Obviously, she's got his. She's got his back, and then, like he's sort of hovering around her, like a junkie. Come on, Aaron. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Waiting yes. for his fix. Like, come on, come on, do it, do it. Yeah. Rubbing his hands together. So Even though excited. he can't do it himself. Yeah. They hear people arriving so quickly they have to shut it, and time for D and D. Gambit number two we'll Jump behind the couch Jump behind the couch And hug each other Down behind the couch Sneak a kiss even oh, Do they? I think so Ooh, I mean Well um, Fair enough Maybe maybe not Maybe they do Maybe they don't Doesn't seem like They're the time But it never is Kind of like uh, Right up against it So And the person who picks up the case Doesn't notice them Right there, there Yes Right there On the other side of that Oh whatever she does say that uh, Scorpius is uh, burning through his uh, cooling rods uh, uh, too quickly. Yes, this is because she has inserted the the the, the, the gelatin. Yeah. <laughs> say that again. The goopy rod. <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> she inserts the goopy rod. You heard Kay say it first. I'm just repeating it for the record here. And yes, that apparently already starts reacting with his uh, with his brain and not cooling him down quite as much as uh, uh, as it ought to. And this is where things generally start falling apart. Yes. I mean, it's hard to say which one thing causes causes everything to to, to fall apart, but uh, they kind of all start going wrong at the same time. I mean. It was one of these synopses that it's not wholly the crew's fault, and I think that's kind of fair. You can do everything right and still fail, you know, that's life. 
as uh, I believe is in a Picard expression. Very good, because, yeah, around this time, Stark's intrusion is being detected. Frill! And also, Zan and Chiana are trying to wheel back their enormous crates of uh, uh, stolen loot. Yes, Natira and Scorpius discover that uh, there's been a swap in pods. They discover that his loot has been stolen. Natira is strangely not that upset. Which is kind of weird, because, like, what do you mean his loot has been stolen? I guess that's the gold bars that she was, like, procuring for uh, Scorpius. Yes. Yes. And then, you know, and Braca asked, And where are you stealing them from? Do you care? No. Which seems interesting, because like that it seemed because right at the beginning, Stark already had a plan to steal these particular things, because you can see the little hexagonal gold bricks, let's call them for the time yes, being, yeah. on 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 his ingots, uh, originally plans ingots, yeah. yeah. And now suddenly they were planning to steal those, and Natira was planning to give those to oh. uh, Scorpius. So I'm that again. <laughs> oh, that is very good. Yes. <laughs> He had already identified that there was there was Scorpius wealth on there, but she'd already seized that and didn't know that Scorpius was alive, and so there wouldn't yeah. be anything on the records because she'd already spent it. Yes, and she didn't. Oh, she didn't assign anything for Scorpius until after he'd arrived. Very <laughs> good. Okay. So shenanigans. <laughs> you are really good at this. Well, thank you. Oh wait, hold on. Are you saying that this was intentional or this was an oversight? Well, is I this d- a plot hole or is this <laughs> plot? Ooh, I don't know. It's like I would say almost say okay, so Actually, hang on. Hold on. I can't I can't fake this. <laughs> okay. I have given this away to that you already. Like, yeah, it might be a no. plot hole, yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mess with you like that. <laughs> Certainly not when I'm Fair enough. Thank you. I appreciate that. But yeah, there's a little bit of uh, shenanigansisms when Stark is discouraging them from using his uh, uh, open any door key because that will identify the, their location, which he could have mentioned the first time round, but you know, which uh, they need because everybody is trapped behind security doors. Everything the, goes into the whole lockdown. thing is on, yeah. on lockdown because Scorpius has asked Natira, "Okay, well, what what happened?" And she says, "Well, there was a Delvian woman. She must have done the stealing. Who was with her? Yeah, uh, oh, a Nabari, a Luxon, and two <laughs> a Sebation and an well, uh, <laughs> another Sebation." Scorpius immediately goes like, hang on, that's just a little bit too much coincidence. Uh, right, and lock it down. Yeah. And it gets locked down. They try to override it. Zan and, and, and Chi are pushing around this huge stack of flight crates. It looked like the sort of yeah. AV department for a furry con. <laughs> yes, Bringing in the lasers. Or maybe just the people bringing in their fursuits. Aaron, what? if Scorpius gets me. I know, shoot you. No, 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 shoot him. John tries to, like, take the opportunity to confess his feelings towards Aaron, who's having none of it. It's a really good scene, though, because he... he, like, he I says, really want to tell you, and she really don't. And I don't know if she's cock-locking herself again. No, or no, if it's listen, just, listen to it. We'll play yeah. it again here. Look, we have to talk. Not here. You'll get us both killed. Aaron, I have to tell you how I feel. I have to tell you. No, you don't. Yes, I do. I do. No, you don't. She knows. Oh, okay. She doesn't I, need him to right. say it. She knows. You're right. She, but, okay, yeah, I didn't, I, didn't read, I didn't read that into it. I, oh, yeah. I totally did. Yeah. Okay? Because this is, like, all her behavior throughout this, like, I know you're acting crazy. And yeah. she respects him, she loves him enough to still support him, even though she knows that he's, he's acting crazy. Uh. Because that's what you do for someone that you care about that much. That's how far they've come. And that's why he doesn't need to say it. She doesn't say it. No. 
But she doesn't expect. I mean, him why, to... but why doesn't she let him say it anyway? That's like that's what I'm kind of worrying Same about. Same reason she doesn't say it. Yeah, fair I mean, enough. We've seen how they are in, in the locket. They could spend the next hundred years together, and they True. still wouldn't tell each no. other. No, okay, fair point. Um, Sorry, I don't mean to sort of no, step over you, you have, but you I think this point. is this is one moment where your paranoia is maybe unwarranted. Fair enough. No, you go have with a good the point. romance. Okay. So, yes, they get interrupted by a couple of guards who get taken out immediately. And I thought this was kind of cute because John has a plan, like, take their clothes, like his usual plan. <laughs> D&D gambit number three. We just knock out some guards and change into their clothes. But what I kind of like about it, that it kind of gets subverted. Yes. Because before they actually manage to get into the clothes, more he's guards still trying show up. To, and he's <laughs> still trying to convince no wheels to put them Oh, whatever. And he throws the armor at one of them. Get our clothes off. You two, hold it. And yells, they went that way! They went that way! (laughs) Uh, Zan and Chiana have a bit more success with their gambit because Zan and Chiana each take another one of those pills and Rigel goes, oh, I don't get one. Pill for Rigel. Of course not. When did anyone think of me? And just as they're surrounded by guards, she drops another uh, one of the gas canisters. Which with works. the new improved mixture, which knocks them out instantly. Yep, I told you I had to fix it. Yes. Oh, I love it when a plan comes together. Stupid plan. Very stupid plan. So now all they have to do is get all the goods back on board Moya and lock the doors behind them. Yes. Which uh, Crichton says, oh, I'll do that. You help them load that. Mm-hmm. Aaron, you help them load. I'm going to go seal the doors. No, reverse that, John. You do this, I'll do that. And Crichton refuses. And I think this is where where Aaron makes a huge mistake. Like, she, she yeah. accepts it. I... I She's gotten too used to to supporting Crichton, where there's maybe yeah. there's really no, like you know she hasn't really rejected his plans before like she tries here and she still lets him override her so he stays behind to uh, to lock all the doors in the in the sort of empty visitor center, but he's not quick enough. The last one before it completely shuts, uh, a peacekeeper comes in, tries to block it where he can barely hold it. Yes, and then Braca comes up behind him. And uh, there's a bit of knocking out. The other guy gets crunched in the door. That's his own dude. Yeah, I know. He elbows his own dude to crush his body to serve as a door jam so he can climb through. Gets clobbered by John. Hi, Braga. Tell me, is the rematch ever better than the original fight? (laughs) But Scorpius shows up and starts throwing John around. Effortlessly showing a little bit of that scarring strength. He's had trouble like controlling even his voice yes. while he's overheating. <laughs> the assistant shows up, and even while he is holding John down, initiates the uh, beginning of the cooling rod swap. Oh, what's the matter, Scorpy? You don't look too good. Neither do you, Crichton. <laughs> you and me, now you got a piece of me and you. Change it! Change it now! Uh, removing the jellyfant pasted rod just before it explodes. Well, yes, unfortunately. She gets the full brunt of it. Uh, we don't know if she dies or not, but she does not look in good state. Uh, left. When your face is burnt like that in a sci fi show, uh, you're dead. Fair if point. You, if you don't have a name. Yeah. Leaving. Scorpius with the the whole mechanism sticking out of the side of his head, drooling pus. Yes, I out of his that. mouth is so gross. And for, from the from the me- mechanism as well. And he tries to get John to put the cooling rod in. You cannot let me die any more than I can 
didn't sacrifice you. That's what you're telling me in my head. But I think I'll give it a shot. And John is really fighting it. He does not want to do it because he knows that, like he can kill Scorpius like this. Scorpius has just been being taunted into monologuing and explaining verbally to John what we already learned. Yes. What the hell did you put in my head? Some awareness. A neurobiotracer. Call it what you like. A tiny chip. A tiny seed that's been growing in your brain. Touching every aspect of your personality, your memory. Didn't happen to see Louis Johnson, did you? And whispering advice. I trust. It's helped save you once or twice since escaping my gamut place. So this time he can remember it. Hopefully. Yeah, because it's not being erased while it's being said to him. Clearly, Scorpius wants him to know. It's got a neural clone in there. Lots of handy little, like it's probably saved your life. Mind control, yes. And mine a few times. Yes, interesting little boast of him there. But uh, John manages to actually not do it and go crawling away, singing the Star Spangled Banner as he does it. Outside the rod. Inside the rod. Oh, say can you see? I command you. Johnny Crichton. I command you. That was another Ben Browder sort of... Improvisation. Originally, like, the line was, get out of my head, Scorpy, and he just started singing. It was an improvised thing. He didn't expect the director to go for it. Had to do 15 takes of it to get it to right, get it right yeah. because, hey, if you do something right, we're going we're gonna to do it again. <laughs> what an incredible scene because, I mean, okay, there's a lot of jokes about this particular gif, and let's certainly have fun with it, where uh, a, a, a leather sort of daddy is holding this all-American boy down. They're both very sweaty and close, and he's yelling, insert the rod, insert the rod, insert yes. the rod. You're not my type. But there's been a few comments about, like, yeah, one being inside the other. But... Wow, the intensity of this scene. Insert the rod! Insert it! Insert it! Insert the rod! You're really not my dice! Insert it! Die! You grotesque bastard! Even it means I die too! Neither one of us can die. The struggle that Crichton goes through to resist, he's being torn apart. So is Scorpius as well. It's so, so intense. All he can do is crawl away. And we see Scorpius like trying to crawl towards the cooling rod, which he doesn't quite reach before the fade to black. black. And of course, Scorpius isn't going to die like this. He's going to be back. You're going to bet some points on that? 100 points. This Scorpius did not die here, but that's too easy. I wouldn't do that. That's like, come on. <laughs> Scorpius, Scorpius has plot armor. I don't like... See, if you're going to be this critical about yourself, then you're <laughs> never going to win any any points. Like, If you only take the dangerous ones... Well, that's gonna, that's what makes it fun, isn't it? Like, okay, I'm not, fair I'm, enough. I'm not here to make... Uh, I'm not make, here to make fun books. I'm here to like have fun. <laughs> 
Uh, oh, while we were watching this, you were already yelling, ah, to be continued, but Right, no, no there was a few more minutes left in the episode. There's always a, there's always a button. Rigel is, uh, uh, is sort of gloating over the ingots with Chiana mm-hmm. uh, when Zan, back in her robes, uh, announces, hey, we already agreed, nobody's counting anything until we've completed yes, the transaction. We get the slaves freed, or specifically Dargo's Zan. No, all of them, because they're being sold as a lot of 10,000. Right, yes. Yeah, so it But they don't really care about the other 9,999. They just care about Dargo's son. And meanwhile, Aaron and John are having... uh, A little heart-to-heart. Sort of coming down where she continues to be supportive and concerned. And he's, like, finally sort of letting go. and, And he's finally sort of giving up, pretending in front of her and letting him hug her. And yes. The one thing that he does want her to know is... Aaron, I am... I meant what I said. Didn't say. Didn't say. Yeah. And she knows. She does. And that would have been such a lovely place to end. Like, she does look a little bit pained there as well. This would have end. even been a great place to end the season, right? right? Yeah, I suppose so. If you wanted to do one of those Star Trek double parters which spanned the end of one and the beginning of the other season, which they had a habit of doing for a while. That is true. Yeah. Keep them wanting more. And then we pan through the cargo bay. At first I wasn't quite sure what room they were in, but it's the it's yeah. the uh, maintenance area in the cargo bay. And we pan over the, f- the fursuit flight cases full of hexagonal ingots. And one of them extends its legs. Yeah, many of them do, because the other crates are shaking, and finally we get to an open crate, and then one of them, yeah, it fo- kind of folds open, and we have, like, a money spider coming out. <laughs> money spider, which shits acid. Apparently so, yes. And, and now to be continued. Yes, we're going back to the next week's episode. Oh. Oh. A not-so-simple plan. I mean, it was a kind of simple plan. It was just execution was convoluted. Yeah. But then I mean, again, never, yeah, you can reduce everything. You, you can kind of reduce everything to that if you, like, go far enough. Apparently, a simple plan was a, a novel that I don't know and a Sam Raimi film that I don't know. Oh, and okay. Liars, Guns and Money was a Warren Zevon song. Apparently, like, Warren Zevon is a name that I've heard before. It seems to be some kind of uh, a, a musician popular among nerds. Oh. Not one I'm terribly familiar yeah, with. Yeah, I can't say I've ever heard the name before. I'm sure we'll be educated by our plucky band of uh, misfits. Mm. She gives me a woody. She gives you the willies. Willies and woodies. Oh, dear. It is that time. It is that time. Okay, my willy either goes out to Chiana being her little parrot, I suppose, that she can call. I really love that. That's willy? Shut up. Oh, sorry, woody. Did I say willy? Yeah. Oh, my woody, sorry. Okay, right. good. Or maybe Zahn's screwdriver. <laughs> oh, her graf check, yeah, as we, as we oh, learned yes, in a fan fiction recently. it's called yes. the graf check, yes. <laughs> She's got the fanciest screwdriver that I have ever seen before. That, I mean, it's a really good point. While she was sort of preparing the jellyfan paste or, yes. or the gas or whatever, yeah. It's kind of got this, like, leafy uh, extension at the end with all these channels cut into it, making it look very wow. fancy. Yeah, no wonder it's called, uh, it has a different a word check, in whatever. Yes. <laughs> Uh, thanks once again to Kathy for recommending that fantastic fanfic reading. We do a bunch of those on our Patreon. And that particular one, in case you missed it, we uh, uh, we did a sort of feed drop at the end of 2.18 O'Clock Work Nabari. Oh. And your willy. Oh, my willy. Oof, yeah, that's tricky. A tough one, tough one. I didn't really have any ma- massive willies here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, fine. 
So since you went with the graph check, I can give my Woody to uh, Chiana as the as a sort of parrot, as yes. the as a sort of little Iago on the shoulder yeah, of, of so. the, the Grand Vizier. And my Willie goes to John and Darko. Their oh, relationship. Yes. I felt betrayed. I felt, or sorry, I felt that this sort of conflict between them mm-hmm. betrayed the depth of their friendship. That that should have required much, much more work okay. to break down the way it did. It, 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 it went too quick for me. Okay, and in that case, my, my really will be... I mean, it's not as a thing that I think was wrong, but a, a thing that felt, still made me feel uncomfortable yeah. would have been Stark's behavior. Because I'm still like on the... I, st- oh. I still think Stark is not acting like Stark. Okay. So that's definitely something that well, like, kept coming back to during the episode. It fe- it kept feeling to me like something is up there. There's like something rotten in the state of the uncharted territories. <laughs> something is rotten in the bannock. Yeah. <laughs> very <laughs> in good. In the state of the bannock. Oh, very, very good. Okay, I'm really excited to see how things turn out when we return next week with the continuation of Liars, Guns and Money. And that's the story so far, Skate. We'll see you next week in episode 220 with Friends Like These. Yes. In which the crew's got the blues, so it's time to put the band back together. Or rather, an unstoppable supergroup. Yes! Playing all the hits of seasons past, but will it turn out like Ocean's 12 or The Dirty Dozen? Thank you to everyone who submitted synopses for uh, uh, 220. That was a little bit of a, 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 a sort of hybrid of all of them put together. We're really excited to see how it turns out. If you want to submit a synopsis of your own for an upcoming episode, hey, season three is coming up fast. You can do that at sofarscape.com slash submit. And if you'd like to contribute to the uh, the Patreon and help keep the lights on and get some of those cool like fanfics and uh, gif packs that we're sharing you can sign up for our patreon at sofarscape.com slash support starts at one dollar everybody gets the same stuff we absolutely absolutely love you i'm kaki i'm k so, so far escape so, so good, good.